everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have this guest as I have been a huge fan for so long, following her on social media and just loving all of her books. And we are here to celebrate her upcoming release, Meant to Be Mine, which I absolutely adored. Everyone absolutely has to read this book. It has such a special message um, within these pages, and it was just so fun, such an escape read. So I am so excited to have Hannah Orenstein on Books Are Chic. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you. And like we said before, I, I can't wait to hear more about this book, but you have a special message at the end about the why behind this book. And I think everyone reading this book, and we'll talk about that, will just have such like a great connection to this book and and the the themes and family and all that is sort of celebrated, as well as being a fabulous rom-com. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here and excited to chat with you about the book. So thank you for having me. Yes. So we just, we already established that Hannah is a Massachusetts gal or a former Massachusetts gal, now New York, which I love because that is where I am. Um, But tell us, because you have such a fun background because you're not just an author. You have this whole other fun career that is like I'm so interested in. So give us the, the Hannah bio. Like, how did you get here? This is your fourth book. Fourth. Yeah. Fourth book. Okay. So we're on book four. How do we get to book four? Sure. So I grew up in Massachusetts, like you said, and I always wanted to move to New York. And so I was really lucky when I was 18, I got to move here. I went to college here. I studied journalism and history and I was dead set on working in journalism. I really wanted to be a magazine writer or a magazine editor. And I, you know, wrote for my school's newspaper and blog, and I was doing all these internships at different magazines. And I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and then when I was a junior in college, I was interning at Elle, which is my dream magazine. And I was dying to be there. And um, I got to do this project with this editor named Eugene Carroll, who was at the time the advice columnist for the magazine. And since then, she's gone on to do a lot of other stuff. Um, and nobody else wanted to do the assignment because it was this huge, long, boring task that was going to take like a hundred years. Um, but I was obsessed with her. So I volunteered <laughs> and <laughs> I did it. And then afterwards I was telling her, um, I knew that she had just launched a matchmaking service and I had done a little bit of like very amateur matchmaking, setting up students at school and then writing about it for our blog. So I just like very casually mentioned this to her and she was like my idol and I was kind of freaking out. Um, and she responded, she was like, oh, you should come work for me. And so I had no, I, I mean, I didn't know anything <laughs> about matchmaking. I never planned to be a matchmaker. I had no particular skills in that arena. Um, even in school, I was terrible at it, but I was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Sure. I'm going to say, yes, I have to do this. And yes, I know yes. it's going to be wild. I'm going to learn so much. So I went to do that. Um, and I was working for her for like seven months. I was a completely terrible matchmaker. It was a disaster. Um, everything in my own personal life was blowing up at the same time. It was a disaster. And I was like, this is a book. Like I wanted to write a book for so long, but I just never really felt like I had the right story. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I never felt like I was creative enough or talented enough or disciplined enough to write and publish a book. Um, but once this happened, I, you know, it just gave me the confidence that I needed, excuse me, confidence that I needed um, to set that goal into motion. So um, I started writing it right after I graduated college. 
And at the time I was searching for a first job and I did wind up in magazine journalism. I was at 17, where I was writing for Teen Girls, um, which was so special. And I was there for two years as I was working on the book. And then I moved to Elite Daily, which is where I am now. And, and I run the dating section there. So covering single life, dating, relationships, breakups, sex, sexuality, sexual health, and also celebrities. And so that's a really fun job. I really enjoy it. Um, I work with a great team of writers and editors there. And then on the side, sort of ever since I've been working on books as well. I mean, I have so many questions, not even book related to <laughs> all of this stuff. I'm rewinding back to saying yes to this job with your, with somebody who you admired, the matchmaking. Like what was like, how does that go down? Like how is matchmaking, like do people go to, like an agency and they give like all these best, like, I'm so curious as to and people need to know for, and we'll share your social at the end. Like you are so fun on social media because you share like dates that you go out on and like breakdowns and stuff like that. And it's just so fun and interesting to read and have your perspective. Cause I feel like you're an expert on all of this stuff. And it's just so fun to, to like, just, follow this journey and, 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 and then the advice and, and things that you give or the people that send you questions and, and your responses. It's just so fun, but. Oh, thank you. And oh, I love talking about dating with people on Instagram. I'm always like, oh, here's a book I read, or here's like a book that I wrote. And people are like, no, no, no. Like we want to talk about dating, <laughs> which I'm more than happy to do. I get it. <laughs> so, um, no, but if you were my client, I mean, you were completely right. If you were my client, you know, we would go out for dinner or drinks or lunch or whatever. And for two hours, I would get to know everything about you. Um, you know, your whole life story, what kind of relationship you're looking for, what sort of values are important to you, what your life looks like, um, you know, traits of your ideal partner, things that you're really not interested in. And from there, I would go out and I would look, um, we had this huge database of single people in New York City. And so I would look through there, like thousands and thousands of names, um, talk to my other matchmaker friends who might, you know, have clients that would be good for my clients. Yeah. And then if nobody there was a perfect match, I would go on dating apps. And this was in 2014 when like that was the year that dating apps kind of blew up. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I would sort of troll around on dating apps and you know, match with people and say, actually, I'm not here for myself. I'm really here for my client. Um, but it was tricky because you couldn't say matchmaker on the app because then you would get kicked off. Um, so a little bit of verbal gymnastics there. And yeah. then I would set up the date. Sorry, my phone just went off. Um, set up the date and um, and then see how it went the next morning and, and, you know, analyze it and, you know, give feedback if there's feedback to give. And so all of that really became the basis of my first book, Playing With Matches. That's what I was going to say is that is, I mean, I don't even know how you could not get content like out of that for a, like this, like you're so smart that you just like jumped on that. So you decide, okay, I'm going to write this book and you were doing 17 and then eventually Lee Daily. What was like, did you just sit down and you're like, okay, here's my idea. Like, how did you sort of decide that you were going to write a book. You had this solid idea. Like what was that first book like for you in, in writing it and figuring, you know, figuring out all the pieces that you have to do to write a book? Yeah. So it started actually in a creative writing class that I took um, the semester after I finished my matchmaking job and I wrote a short story. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I got this computer literally yesterday and I don't know how to turn off the text sound. I love it. Sorry. Let me figure this out. Um, maybe if I quit messages, okay, sorry, you can cut this out. 
Okay. <laughs> um, I took a creative writing class and I wrote a short story about a young matchmaker at a dating service. And the feedback from my classmates was really encouraging. Um, I found them all really intimidating. They all wore lots of like edgy black clothes and they all chain smoked <laughs> at the library and their stories were about like midlife crises and like bourbon and road trips and like masculinity. And then I like walked in in my little pink mini skirt and was like, I wrote about matchmaking. <laughs> But they liked it. So I figured if they like it, like that means I might be onto something. Um, and so, yeah, I, I um, bought this book called Writing New Adult Fiction because I knew that my book was sort of in that sweet spot between it's not really YA, but it's, it's you know, you're not 35 with a mortgage, you're somewhere in between. Right. Um, so I found that book really helpful and I took a stab at an outline. The outline changed a lot, so I didn't really keep to my outline perfectly, um, which was a good thing. But the most important thing that I did was I gave myself a six month deadline. I said the book has to be done by November, six months, because I knew that if I, you know, sort of let myself turn it in whenever, I would never actually do it. Mm -hmm. And that was really motivating for me and it really kept me on track. And then you did the whole like sending it off and which I know mm -hmm. can be super scary. Um Okay, so now you, you then you did seventeen, which is amazing, and then that was such a great magazine, um, growing up. Okay. And then now I know, like all these magazines, like it's so sad. They're just there were so many good teen magazines that we had. I was literally just I was like YM seventeen, sassy. They have TikTok now. <laughs> I know it's just not the same, Hannah. You know, it's not um, it's not. Um, and then now you're at Elite Daily, which is amazing. And you sort of spearhead that whole, like the whole dating sort of section. Mm -hmm. And so throughout all of this, you were just writing novels and doing your, your day job. And like, would you write at night or? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I would write, um, weekends were really like my favorite mm -hmm. time to write still my favorite time to write. So I would write usually like 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday. I used to say the only thing I have to give up to have a career of my dreams is brunch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Go to brunch for like five years. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for, I mean, since the pandemic hit, um, you know, things have obviously just been really different. And so I've been really, really lucky to spend time with my family in Maine every summer. Um, so my parents we were talking, they are in Massachusetts, but we have a house up in Maine. And so I'm there for the summers. And so really just every day after work um, and on weekends and mornings. I'm just, I mean, it's so remote and rural and there's nobody out there and there's nothing to do. So literally I'm just like writing all the time and it's kind of the best. Well, I'm shaking my head because I do, I follow your main summer journey that I'm always so jealous. I'm like, oh, a vacation house is so nice. And where you go is beautiful and it does look very remote, but I don't know, you make it look so like glam because you'll have your wine your writing and like she has it down she has this figured out but like you said you've been able you can work from home during the summer now obviously during this pandemic which is so nice because I'm sure when you go up there and it's it, like the peacefulness of your surroundings is probably so inspiring and you know easy to write yeah I switched to writing long hands on paper on notebooks I um, saw that yeah just because I figured you know I if I'm I've if I'm, you know, in this beautiful place, I want to be outside. I don't want to be lugging around my laptop. And then there's like the glare on the screen. Um, and it totally transformed everything because it's just, I think a much, um, I don't know, it's like 
you can't really be self-conscious of what you're writing. You can't judge it. You can't be like, oh, that was a bad sentence. I'm going to start over. You kind of just have to keep going because it's like literally there in black and white and there's no delete key. So that kind of changed it for me. And I've just had the best time writing long hands. And now I just want to keep doing it. I mean, that the only other person I know that, that we see right longhand is Ellen Hildebrand. Like she will be like where she goes St. John or whatever. And she's on a towel, which then it reminded me of her when you did that last summer was last summer. The first time that you switched to long, long. It was. Yeah. But actually funny you say that I am in, like an enormous Ellen fan, massive fangirl. And I started doing it because she does it. She is lying up by the pool at her home in Nantucket, or yes. she does winters in Boston and then or falls in Boston winter in the British Virgin Islands. Yeah. Um, and she's always like by a pool or by a fireplace with this notebook. And I was like, that's the life that I want to have. That's my life. That's what I want to do. Um, so I figure if she does it, I can try. And it's been amazing. Well, you're doing it and you're the only two people I know. So I feel like that's such a great duo. Um, okay. So we're here at meant to be mine and I'm going to let you first tell everyone what the book's about. And then we can jump into just all the amazingness that's in this book. Sure. So Meant to be Mine follows Edie Meyer. She is 29 years old. She is a fashion stylist living in Brooklyn, and she knows the exact date that she's going to meet the love of her life because she has this really fantastic eccentric grandma who has the ability to predict the date that every member of her family will meet their soulmate. She accurately predicted it for herself, for her kids, and now her grandkids, and the book opens on Edie's day. And so it opens and we see her walking around this crowded airport, um, you know, trying to figure out, is it him? Is it him? Um, and ultimately she does meet somebody, but she has to figure out, you know, is this really my person? Is this prophecy really, you know, the thing that is going to cement my life? Um, so we see her sort of struggle between, you know, is, is it fate? Is it free will? But we also get to see her, you know, really grapple with this idea of, you know, how do you honor this family tradition while also carving out your own path? Or how do you, you know, stay true to your values and your family and who you are, but also, you know, pursue something that makes you really happy? Um, so she has a lot of thinking to do. She does have a lot of thinking to do. And I know a question I just thought of before that I could have asked, um, but this is fine because it'll just segue into this. Why do you think you fell into the rom-com genre? Like, why do you think that, like, did you read a lot of rom-com growing up? Do you love rom-coms? Like, do you just think that your, you know, themes and ideas and plots just fall into that? Like, I'm just so curious. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, I love reading them. I think all of my favorite books, I mean, now, but especially at the time when I was just starting to write were rom-coms. So that mm -hmm. felt really natural. But growing up, one of my favorite movies was The Devil Wears Prada. Mm -hmm. And so once I started writing Playing With Matches, I was like, oh, I want it to be The Devil Wears Prada, but for matchmaking. And so that was sort of my guiding light for that book. And then since I then, I've just it's been, you know, I love it. So that's what I do. I love that that was, I, I mean, that's such a great movie and great book. Um, okay, so back to, back to Edie. So like you said, this, there is, she's meeting, you know, she's going to meet the love of her life, but really at the center. And, and when I finished it, I had put in my review, like, I just thought this was such a big celebration for grandmothers because she is the heart of this book. So what was, I mean, obviously your grandmothers were part of the inspiration, but how did you fall into this idea? Like, what was the, what's the backstory? Sure. 
So, um, and also I love that you called it, you know, about grandmothers. What did you say? A tribute to grandmothers? A celebration. A celebration. <laughs> um, I was like, I love it, but now I can't remember it one second later. Um, need more coffee. But um, yeah, so I mean, I started writing this book April 1st, 2020 in lockdown. And I was thinking about all the things I really, really missed. And now looking back, it's absurd because I was in lockdown for like two weeks. We had no idea what was coming for us, but I really missed wearing real pants, real clothing, <laughs> pajamas. Um, and so Edie became a fashion stylist. I really missed things like live music and restaurants and bars. And so the love interest, Theo, is a musician and they're always going out to like fun places, restaurants, bars, parties. Um, I really miss travel. So there's some travel in the book. They go to Maine, mm -hmm. Florida. Um, and then the one thing I really wanted, like my light at the end of the tunnel for this was I want to hug my grandparents as soon as it's safe to do so. And so of course that's where Gloria came from. Gloria is the grandmother in this book. Um, and there are pieces of sort of all four of my grandparents in her. Um, and you and I were chatting about this a little bit right before we started recording, but, um, you know, my dad's parents, um, have been gone for many years, but I feel really, really lucky to have had my mom's parents for as long as I did. Mm -hmm. And as I was working on this book, they actually both passed away within a month of each other. And so it was like, I'm so happy that you said it was a celebration of grandparents because that's really what I wanted it to be. Like this um, book that just shows how special that relationship can be between, you know, a grandkid and a grandparent, um, especially in your adult years, because you learned to appreciate them so much differently. Yeah. I mean, we were touching upon this and I had said to you, I had lost my mom's parents same 18 days apart and when I was reading your letter at the beginning of the book I, I truly and you had said that your grandfather just like he couldn't live without her or, or something along those lines yeah. um and that's what I truly believe with my grandparents too I'm like I had a full life and like we were saying before we were so 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 lucky to be able to have grandparents for this long I mean it's really like unheard of at this point mm -hmm. um but just reading that, what you wrote, I'm like, yes, I do believe that that is true. I think people, you know, couples that are married for 60, 70 years, yeah. I just feel like it's like, okay, I'm ready to like, and it, it's morbid, but it's also so special. And, and like, there's something there's comfort in that I feel. So it was almost like when my grandmother had passed first, I was like, it's just going to be a matter of time. And I, and I was like, okay, now they're just together again. Like, I don't know if you, you know, and yours was more sudden, um, but there was some sense of peace. I feel. Yeah. I mean, there's really no good way to have no. that happen, but I guess if it does have to happen, um, we found out that my grandpa had COVID um, like three days after my grandma's funeral. Um, and the funeral was like a small outdoors thing, thank God. But like, um, you know, just, we just didn't expect it. And so he died very quickly after that. But, um, you know, it's just the letter that you um, are talking about is the galley letter. It's not- I know, no one's going to be able to read it. <laughs> yeah, so I feel bad that nobody can read it. But the other fun thing that's in the letter, not fun, the other thing that's in the letter um, is I, you know, I slipped sort of important dates from my own family's history into the book. So my grandparents' anniversary is actually the day that Gloria meets her husband. Um, Edie meets her love interest on Christmas on flight 1224, which is a reference to my parents meeting on Christmas Eve many years ago. Um, and there are lots of other little things like that throughout the book. Um, but Gloria is, I mean, she's been a widow for many, many years um, in this book. And so I think 
um, you know, I think that's maybe why love is so important to her. I mean, she's always been able to have these prophetic powers, but for her to be without her soulmate for 30 years now, um, you know, I think it just adds just like a little extra touch. Um, you know, it makes it even more heartwarming that this is something that she has this gift to do. And I mean, to your point about, you know, one of them not being able to live without a, without the other. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. There's really no good way to lose a grandparent, but um, I wanted to sort of touch on all of that with the story. Yeah. And that's why I think, I mean, I think like as, as I re was reflecting after my grandparents passed and like I said to you, this, the, the ceremony and celebration of life was later because of COVID and, you know, um, and I was just, I think because we had them for so long, it's, so hard it was so much harder and like I said to you I was actually okay with it they were both in their 90s I'm like they've lived a full great life but then it's smaller moments like going to where they lived and and that type of thing where you're like you reflect on how special and the, all the things that they taught you and all you th those are your memories like growing up and going to their house and going to the beach or whatever and I just loved um I just love the character of Gloria and I, and I could feel what you put into it from what your, you know, little touches and things that you had with your family throughout the whole book, like the Mahjong. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you learned from your grandparents? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for, I'm sure a lot of listeners don't know what that is, but Mahjong is a Chinese game that Jewish women are obsessed with and they've been playing it for like a hundred years and it's really <laughs> passed down from generation to generation. Um, and so my grandma had a weekly Mahjong game for something like 40 years and she taught my mom and she taught me and my sister. And so whenever the four of us were together, we would play. Um, and then actually, I mean, it's, it's, mostly played by like 50, 60, 70 year old women, but <laughs> I run, I think it's like the only under 30 Mahjong league in New York city. It's just like me and some friends. Um, but I started running that a couple of years ago and, um, we just have a fabulous time. And so that chapter in the book is sort of a tribute to, you know, that those memories with my family, but also, you know, just like new modern legacy of like, you can play this old woman's game and like make it a really fun time. Like we have wine and we have like great snacks and a cheese board, good music. So that sounds perfect. Is it hard? I've seen it. The one time I saw it played was actually at the end of um, Crazy Rich Asians. They're playing mm -hmm. that, right? Right. And I'm like, is it hard to play and learn? It looks like a lot's happening. A lot is happening. <laughs> um, in the movie, they're playing the original Chinese version. And so I okay. play the sort of like Americanized Jewish version. Um, so it's not the same, but I, I will say the Chinese version, I'm sure, is actually much, much harder. Okay. It looks fun, though. And you just made it sound really fun. Wine, cheese board, and games and music sounds perfect. Um, the other part that I was, I laughed at um, in the book was Bubla. Bubla. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know, if you live in Massachusetts, like, that's how you say it. Or, and people would be like, what is that? And you're like, a water fountain. <laughs> Oh my god! I thought you were saying like bubble up, like like a Jewish like term of affection, which is also in the book. No, but you're right. No, like there's a lot of like regional cultural niche stuff. So yeah, bubble like the water fountain, or like what a grandparent would call their grandkid. Oh my god! So, oh my god! Is that I didn't even know that. I thought that was like a ma you put that in for like Massachusetts. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm well. Yeah, no, I don't actually think that's in the book. I'm getting confused because the project I'm working on now has Bubla like 
water fountain specifically. Oh, okay. Then <laughs> <laughs> I read, I did not read the word. Then that was, yes, the Jewish. I didn't read it right. I was like, oh, I was like, she's, to- this is, she's Massachusetts. Like she's totally putting this in. Blah, blah. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. But no, it'll yeah, be a- <laughs> in the book. <laughs> um, and I just, I won't give spoilers to people, but the, like Edie was such a fun character and I loved like, and I love that it was because you like miss putting on clothes that you made her a fashion stylist. So you could just like write vicariously through her life. Um, and I just loved that. I love fashion. Um, but the way that you tie it up at the end, like I was like, I cried, I cried because, and it was really the last page. (laughs) So, I mean, I just, like I said, I just loved, I just loved it. And I loved, it was the perfect, like it was the perfect ending. But I'm, I wonder, would you ever write about Edie again? Like you could totally do a spinoff. I could. Um, I can't say anything definitive, but there may be something possibly about Gloria coming at some point in the future. Okay. I love that. Oh, maybe oh, that. like a pre, like a prequel of Gloria, like the early days. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> <You're> yet, like, <laughs> but stay tuned to my Instagram. I would like that too. So I'll take that. That's good enough for me. So that's good. Um, I just lost what I was just gonna ask you too. So okay, so I'm guessing you're probably getting ready to go to Maine soon, which I'm sure you're super excited about. Um, and what? are you already working on something or did you already finish the fifth book and are starting the sex? Like, where are you at and with what's happening next? So number five, the one with Bubba in it, like the water fountain <laughs> um, is what I was working on last year and I'm still working on it. So I'm just going to be continuing that and chugging ahead, but I have an idea for six that I really want to get to. And then I have a whole notes app of other ideas. So we will see. <laughs> I mean, I f- meant to be mine could totally be like a movie, just so we're all aware. Yeah. Like, I mean, we need to start rallying for that because it would be the cutest little rom-com. I was trying to think of who I would pick for Gloria. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I would just go to like some random retirement community in Boca and be like, okay, who's here? Like, <laughs> One of you. I know. And I wish, I wish... Um, Again, I'm referring to, I think you're going to have to read this galley letter, like on a live on your Instagram so people can hear. It's just so nice, but I, I, I'm sure it's so much more special to you. Like, you know, having them be such a big piece of this book that you were like, they didn't get to read, you know, they didn't get to read it or read like the dedication stuff, but it is, it is just so special. So, um, I think you should read it. It's the, people are going to be like, what is this letter? Where do I get this the letter. Yeah. I'm going to put it on Instagram at some point, I think closer to launch. Um, and just, yeah, it'll be up at some point. Yeah. Cause it has all like little tidbits and fun things, which is, which is so fun. So, okay. So more is coming from Hannah. Um, are you a book a year author? I don't know what that is. Tell me <laughs> like one, do you do one book every year? Are you like every other, every half year? Oh my God. Obviously. Duh. Okay. I was like, is that like, oh, book I, well, hello. I bubble. I, okay. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, it's sort of, it's been one a year. Um, mm-hmm. but this one's taking more than one. So we'll see. It's also massive. It's 
when I left the lake last summer, it weighed in at like 120,000. Um, and this book is, I think like just under 80,000. So, oh my gosh. But what does that mean as far as like notebooks? Are you filling like two notebooks? Like (laughs) there's multiple, multiple notebooks. Mm -hmm. And what kind of pen do you like to write with? Do you have a certain pen that you like? Like the shittier, the better. (laughs) Interesting. And the same with notebooks. Like, I don't want it to be too fancy. I don't want the like, you know, $20 pretty journal. I don't want like the really nice expensive fountain pen. Like, I think that's too much pressure, you know? And if it's just a little, like, I I can lose this pen. I don't care. Like it's a random $5 notebook from ZVS. Like, I think that just lets you be creative and you don't get so caught up in making everything perfect. I love that. And how fun, like you can keep these notebooks and then your kids or grandkids or who like will have these original notebooks, which is so cool. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. It's a lot of it's indecipherable (laughs) and scratches, but yeah. Still they're originals. They are. They're originals. So that's all that matters. Okay. All right, Hannah, we are going to do your chic list and I'm so curious. Okay, here we go. What three celebrities, authors, figures, living or dead, would you want to have a book club with? I love this question. Um, (laughs) My first answer is obviously Ellen Hildebrand. We were talking massive fangirl. Um, She's so brilliant and she has such a great perspective, like such an interesting perspective on books. I love listening to all of the podcasts she does talking about books. Um, So number one would be her. Um, I would also love to have Candace Bushnell, who's the creator of Sex and the City. I got so to interview good. her twice, actually, and both times, I mean, total dreams, and she's incredible, um, and she's, like, sassier than people think she is, and she has, like, some real talk advice. Um, I want her to be my mom, essentially, so her. Okay, <laughs> this is stacking up to be a solid book club. Yeah, and then the third is sort of, like, out of left field, but um, I found him through a podcast, but his name is Jason Rogers. And he was a, he was an Olympic fencer. I think he went to two Olympics. Um, and then he left and he started a romance book club for ex pro athletes. And it's all men. It's like 10 guys, all former athletes, and they all read romance novels. So I, that's I've amazing. Dying to be a fly in the wall for this. And they had like these really, he wrote a piece about it, I think for men's health or Esquire or something. Um, he wrote a piece about how, you know, romance novels, reading them has like made them, you know, better partners, um, better in bed, like more thoughtful, more introspective, um, happier just overall. And so um, I just want to go sit in on that book club and it would bring Ellen and Candace. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. And I wonder what Candace would say to Jason. I feel like that would be an interesting convo. I, I need to sit there and write it all down. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You'd have a great book out of that whole crew. Um, current binge series. <clears throat> I recently finished Severance. It was wild. I'm not a huge sci-fi person, but it's on Apple Plus TV. And it, is it Apple Plus, Apple TV? I don't know. I think, so, yeah, it's something. I just actually read about this show and I was, I w- I'm not really sci-fi either. So I was like, eh. It's so well done. I'm like not okay. a person, but it's basically- um, this company is doing something top secret and maybe nefarious and the people working there, um, they're like, their brains are split into two. So it's like their work self and they're like out of work self and the two can't share any memories. And so it's like two sides of your persona, essentially. It's kind of wild. It's really good. Okay. 
that sounds good. <laughs> you look so shocked. You're like, oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, um, last favorite book and current read. Sorry, I just lost my where I was in my list. <laughs> Um, last favorite book is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. I'm so many years late to reading it. I know everybody read it five years ago, um, but I loved it. It's this huge family saga that takes place over three generations about a Korean family living in Japan. And um, it's just so beautifully written. And I loved the family relationships in it. And I just learned a lot about um, Korean culture, which I just didn't know a ton about before, like especially during um, the Korean War. I That's a series too. On it Apple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read that either, but I have it somewhere on my bookshelf. So I'm going to pull that out. It, it, I've heard it's amazing. So, um, okay. You probably have multiple, but your describe your writing space. Oh, sure. Yeah. Also, I realized I should tell you what I'm currently reading because it's also. Amazing. Oh yes. Tell us what you're currently reading. Uh, uh, I'm reading, um, let's not do that again by Grant Gender. And he is phenomenal. He wrote um, The People We Hate at the Wedding, which is getting turned into a TV show, movie. I think it's a movie. Um, but Let's Not Do That Again is his book about a woman running for senator and her two adult children who are kind of disasters, but they're also helping her campaign, but also hurting it. Um, incredibly sassy and funny and just fabulous. So really recommend that. Um, but my writing space is just my apartment. Um, I sit on my couch, I sit at my table. Um, when I'm in New York and then when I'm in Maine, it's a lot more glam. It's on a boat with a glass of wine, living that life. So I would love to save all my writing for the summer. I know. Oh my gosh. You, it, it is so glam. Like it's so, it's beautiful where you write on your boat. Um, name something chic. I think buying yourself flowers and then making a really pretty arrangement. And it doesn't have to be expensive. I get like $10 flowers at the bodega and you just like learn how to trim them and like plant them the right way in your vase. Um, there's a guy on TikTok who taught me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is very chic. I don't do that enough. But when I have them, I'm like, these are so nice. And they like totally add joy, like instant yeah. joy. Um, do you have a favorite book that you gift? I don't have a favorite book that I gift because I tend to give everybody like a ton of different things. But the one book I want everybody to read is Detransition Baby by Tori Peters. It came out like a year or two ago and it's just super interesting love triangle between three trans women in New York. And they are debating whether or not to raise a baby together. And it's like mind-blowingly good. It's a lot of like really interesting character studies. So definitely recommend that. What was the title again? Detransition Baby. Detransition baby. Okay. One of the women has detransitioned to live as a man, but is a trans woman. Got it. Okay. Oh, that sounds good. I'm adding that to my list. Um, if you could have one song as the theme song of your life, what would it be and why? I think Believe by Cher, because it's what I always ask the piano player to play at piano bars when I go. <laughs> I love song. that. It's, it's a just, great song. It is great. And that's it. I love that. I, I have not had Cher yet as an answer. So I love that. Um, must have beauty item. Red lipstick. Love it. Any particular shade that you love? I used to wear this really fantastic red by Dolce & Gabbana, um, but it was discontinued and I actually just lost it like last week. And also the company, the founders are like kind of racist and homophobic, so I wouldn't buy it again. Um, so I'm on the hunt for a great one if you have any suggestions. 
Hmm. I would have to see what the the shade is that you had. There's probably like a million dupes. Yeah, it's like a true cherry red, like like a cherry like, red. Yeah. Okay, I'll have to think. I can send you. I'll send you some recommendations. Yep. I have like a million red lipsticks. It's sort of. It's not. It's it is a good thing, but if you ask somebody else, they'd be like, "Okay, something wrong." <laughs> with all my beauty items um if you could name just one lipstick after a book what would you call it and what shade would it be okay so I really thought about this I would get the shade that I lost right it's this like perfect cherry red like slight like cool blue undertones um and I would call it playing with matches because that's my first book and the there's like that shade on the cover it's a pink cover but there's yes matchbook and there's um little men who look like matchsticks in it so like playing with matches um and it would be that red it would be called playing with matches i love that you have really great covers just Thank you. just mentioning um okay and last best advice you've ever received keep going that was from the classmates in my writing class who told me to turn my short story into a novel. That's the advice that Candace Bushnell gave me when I told her that dating was really hard. I think no matter what you're struggling with, it just applies. You just keep chugging along and something is going to work out. I love that. And it's so true. It is so true. Just keep going. Such, such good advice. Well, I love this book. I will keep shouting it from the rooftops. And I think there is something for everybody in this book to relate to. And I'm just so excited to see, like, I feel like you have so many, you're going to have so many amazing books coming out. So I'm so happy to just be able to celebrate this book, but also just watch what's to come from you. Cause they're just, your books are just delights and, and that's all we need as readers. So I'm oh. so happy to celebrate this. And where are you able to do like a little book tour this time around? Yeah. So thank you so much for all those really <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. It means so much. You have no idea. Um, but yeah, so I'm going um, to the Strands in New York City on June 7th. Sorry, June 9th. Um, I will be at Porter Square Books in Cambridge, Massachusetts on June 14th. Um, and then June 22nd, I'll be at, um, I'll do a panel in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It's at a bar associated with Word Bookstores. Um, yeah, that's my little tour. And where can people find you on Instagram? Because people should be following you. Thank you. Um, Hannah Orens, H-A-N-N-A-H-O-R-E-N-S. Um, there are a lot of cat photos and boat photos, but there's also a lot of writing advice and dating advice and book recommendations. That's what I was going to say, is you also have this like writing advice that you save to your reels so people can go back and look, but like, it's really so inspiring and helpful. And if that's like something that's tinkering around in your mind, like you just have really great tips and, and, and stuff. So I loved, I forgot about that, but um, thank you for reminding me. So, so everyone should follow you and meant to be mine will be out June 7th. And, um, I hope you have the best summer in Maine and get some great writing done. <laughs> thank you so much, Courtney. This has been so much fun. You're incredible. And Thanks. this has just been the most delightful interview. Well, thank you so much, Hannah and everyone meant to be mine will be out June 7th. And thank you for tuning in for this episode. Yeah.